0: To make it in cannabis, first you must dare to. Twelve years ago, MJ Bizcon dared to unite the global cannabis community, igniting a movement that continues to thrive. So let's grow together this November 28th through December 1st in Las Vegas. You'll hear incredible stories, see groundbreaking innovations and forge connections you need to thrive in 2024. But wait, snag your ticket to MJ Bizcon in October. And you are eligible for the 31 days of giveaways and promotion going on right now. So hurry, get your ticket today. And here's a secret. Podcast listeners get 10% off with promo code 23POD10. That's 23POD10. Don't miss out. Get your ticket at mjbizcon.com. That's (laughs) mjbizcon.com. Welcome to another episode of Cannabis Health Radio. I'm Ian Jessup. And I'm Corey Ellen. Learning about the medical benefits of cannabis has been a huge learning curve for me. But when researching this topic... Our guest on this episode today is my go-to source for clear, concise information. Gui Rubinski is a journalist, writer, photographer, and an advocate for cannabis patients. His work has been featured in numerous publications, and he is the author of Understanding Medical Marijuana, which can be found on his website, gooeyRabinski.com, and he joins us from California. Gui, good to finally talk to you. Thank you.
1: It is so nice to work with professionals. You have a killer radio voice.
0: Well, thank you very much. (laughs) (laughs) You used to live in Austin, Texas. What prompted you to move to California?
1: I wanted to be in a legal state. It's really that simple. Um, Texas, uh, you know, geographically, uh, Texas is gorgeous, as are most parts of North America or the world, arguably. Uh, But, you know, they're not the most liberal with their social policy so uh it's it's kind of a patriarchy and uh they like to beat the hell out of people caught with a joint or two some some aspects of that culture like to stay in the 1950s and 60s and and good for them i'm glad there's places like oklahoma and alabama and texas where you can go live in the 1950s and 60s Uh, (laughs) but i wanted to be i wanted to be in a legal state you know, I wanted to be at Ground Zero where I could learn more because I I felt like where I'd lived previously in Ohio and Texas, I couldn't network. You know, you could you could do it elect. You know, and and cyberspace and via social media. Working closely with people takes trust, and sometimes that trust is difficult or even impossible to achieve if you're not face to face. But I wanted to to learn more. I felt like I had saturated what I could learn in those face-to-face networking environments in a place like Austin, Texas. As wonderful a city as that is, they'll still lock you up for a long time. If they find you with wheat, they're not enlightened when it comes to cannabis. And life's too short to drink crappy beer or live in a prohibitionist state, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Do you see that changing in Texas at all in the near future?
1: You know, there's a lot of great things going on in Texas. Uh, they have one of the best normal chapters I have ever uh, attended. Uh, it just, uh, they really have, have their uh, normals really got their act together in Austin. My um, compliments them. And I'm not necessarily even a fan of normal. I just try to remain objective on all of it. So there's some really good stuff going on in Texas and they got the oil uh, recently, but uh, you know, it's, it's just Texas is, is an example of another very, very limited medical state uh, here in the U.S. where it's it, it's just almost rude considering that we're talking about medicine. We're talking about helping sick people. They might be three-year-old children with epileptic seizures. It might be an octogenarian with our rheumatoid arthritis or cancer. The mm-hmm. thousands of conditions that cannabis is, is useful in treating and these limited laws are just uh, I could go on forever you'll just you'll have to stop me now, but yeah. uh, I you know we like to talk about the statistics here in the states. oh look at all the legal medical states and most of those laws are not very helpful. yes, they're progress, but uh, they're really just so extremely limited and, and impractical they're bad laws
0: gooey, what got you so interested in cannabis in the first place?
1: Well, probably smoking it myself, and and realizing it helped my writing, it helped my photography. You know, it's good for anxiety. It's good for little aches and pains. uh, It just helps all sorts of things. I'm trying to remember why I started pitching at editors of pot magazines, and and honestly, I I I can't remember the exact impulse of that. Maybe it was just that you know I was a, a writer. And I became very intrigued about the medical efficacy of, of the herb. But I can tell you that it's one of your fellow Canadians, uh, Alison Merton, uh, in Ontario, who she's, – she's got uh, chronic progressive MS, and she spends a lot of her time in a wheelchair, and she, she suffers some some severe pain – I saw what it did for her firsthand when I would travel to Toronto to do freelance articles and photo shoots. She basically single-handedly convinced me that this is real medicine, and it's, it needs to be regarded as real, serious medicine.
0: You know, we talked to uh, a fellow in Croatia this week who had uh, all the symptoms of MS, and he was just continually getting worse. Uh, he lived in California from the age of 16 to 22. But when he moved back to Croatia, his eyesight was going, uh, he was in terrible shape, he had numbness in his feet, and he was destined for a wheelchair, and he discovered uh, that Rick Simpson was coming to his community, and uh, Rick Simpson talked about cannabis oil, and he started taking, this fellow started taking cannabis oil, and he took a lot of it, and today he is symptom-free. It was just absolutely remarkable. So Yeah. In doing interviews uh, on this program, I'm absolutely astounded that uh, the recovery people make from fatal diseases or painful chronic conditions simply by using cannabis. Do you run into many people who have remarkable stories to tell?
1: You know, I I do find a lot of them, and they find me on social media now that I've you know, gotten a little traction on, on social media. So now... People with these miracle stories are starting to come to me, and I I hear some very inspiring stories. Uh, it'll it'll bring tears to your eyes, and it certainly does to the to the patients who, you know, they tried to find relief with with the standard system, with the pharmaceuticals, with you know a standard family practitioner doctor who. Got no formal education whatsoever about the endocannabinoid system or C B1 and C B2 receptors and the brain and immune system. I mean, you know, my 15-year-old daughter knows more about this stuff than most doctors. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you've got people just trying to get away from from opioids and the standard pharmaceutical system. They're they're not always seeking pot, they're not always part of the cannabis culture they're seeking an alternative from the system that just doesn't help them. And I'm not saying it doesn't help anybody. It obviously does help some people. But there's a lot of people it does not help. And I think they seek those alternatives and they find things like Rick Simpson oil here on the West Coast all the way from, you know, Vancouver, Canada down to San Diego. There are literally, you know, just thousands of processors and extractors. There's certainly hundreds, maybe I'm exaggerating at, at thousands. And they are They're making different high-potency oils. And a lot of what I'm seeing is extremely impressive.
0: I want to tell you, uh, you don't know us, and uh, I want to tell you about Corey. I want Corey to tell you her story because it is a fantastic story about the medical benefits of cannabis. Tell them your story.
2: Um, I was diagnosed in uh, 2011, July of 2011, with anal cancer, and I was given two to four months to live. Wow. Wow. Yeah, six on the outside. Uh, if I didn't do radiation, which came with a whole list of extremely horrific uh, side effects, right? Yes. Uh, so um, I ended up watching uh, Run from the Cure, um, and it was before you know it was before Facebook groups, all these different you know Facebook groups on uh, cannabis oil, and uh, I was completely on my own, and made a bit of oil at a time, and uh, I'm cancer free. I've been cancer free for just short of five years now. I said all along, if this worked, I'd spend the rest of my life telling people about it. And, you know, the number of people that I've seen turn disease around, it's amazing. I've helped save well over a thousand lives around the world from all different types of uh, different disease conditions. You know, to the point that I say, show me a disease condition that cannabis doesn't at least help.
0: Isn't that a remarkable story?
1: That is, yeah, that's, that's excellent. And... I, I mean, that those are the stories that need to get out there because, you know, we have a lot, like here in the States, we have a lot of uh, voter initiatives. We just got, got through, you know, we're at the end of voter month here, uh, unfortunately. Wow, what a crappy month, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, we did get some good things. We, you know, California legalized and, and we had some states on the East Coast finally here. Um, but people, you know, normal citizens, they're they're not – Cannabis zealots, they're not part of our culture necessarily, they're not necessarily even progressive, but they need to hear stories like this because when they walk into that voting booth, they've got to know, they need to emotionally perceive this is medicine. And if they perceive that, it's that simple, they'll vote yes on cannabis-related initiatives, but they have to hear stories like this.
0: Yeah, yeah. Gui, I want to ask you. I, I want to use uh, what we have left of the program, the next uh, 20, 25 minutes, to. Talk about uh, the various components of cannabis. I know a um, number of people are familiar with CBD and THC, the psychoactive ingredient, but there's uh, CBC, CBG, and and so on, and you've written about uh, about these. Let's start with the cannabinoids. To the best of your knowledge, how many cannabinoids have been discovered so far?
1: About 111 to my knowledge, and quite honestly, that is... Uh, figure is between 12 and 18 months old. That was the most recent number I could find 12 to 18 months ago.
0: Okay. Now, what are THCV and CBDV? What do they do?
1: Well, from a high level, if you're trying to kind of tackle this from like a Cannabis Chemistry 101, which would be kind of a fun course to develop, you know? There are more than 400 individual components in a supposedly healthy cannabis plant, one that has not been given synthetic uh, pesticides or nutrients, one that is fully organic, has more than 400 chemicals in it, okay? 111 of those are cannabinoids. There are cannabinoids is our one category. Mm-hmm. Our, another, our other category is terpenes. And originally, we thought terpenes were only uh, responsible for the aroma of cannabis, which we know is sometimes, you know, striking, right? Uh, you can – you know, a lot of – plenty of people have been busted for the, for the smell of their weed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. uh, and that's all from terpenes, you know, exclusively. That comes from these terpenes. We thought that's all they were responsible for was aroma. It turns out these terpenes have medical efficacy that in some cases either enhances the cannabinoids like THC and CBD – Or we've also, our researchers found, that they have individual efficacy. But there's this thing called the entourage effect. And the entourage effect is when all of the cannabinoids and all the terpenes get into the body. And, you know, whether it's eaten or whether it's inhaled or whether it's used as a topical, which is from a potency perspective, typically the weakest. But regardless of, of how it's consumed the entourage effect is how that very nuanced and very complex mixture of terpenes and cannabinoids and that's that's not it there's other chemicals too but when they get into your body and they start interacting with the cb1 and the cb2 receptors that are found primarily in the brain and the immune system but the immune system goes throughout the body so if you look at a at a, a you know anatomical map uh, and look at, at the spots where uh, there are receptors. We know medical science proves that there are receptors in the body. They're throughout the, the freaking body damn place. Yes, there's a heavy concentration in the head, and when we get the psychoactive effect from THC, we're well aware of that, right? But now let's get back to terpenes for a second. There's up to 200. In nature, there are 20,000 terpenes. They use them to make perfume. We synthesize terpenes in laboratories. We extract them from actual plants. Uh, This this is a whole industry that most people are not even aware of. There are up to 200 of those terpenes that are uh, manifested, if you will, that are available in an individual species of cannabis. Now, it doesn't mean a particular species of cannabis will have all 200 terpenes. It won't, but it's going to have its own mix of Mm -hmm. those terpenes some strains are high in thc very psychoactive some strains are low and and these days now being intentionally bred to be low to to get the cbd higher you know strains for for children and anybody who doesn't want to get blazingly high when they're trying to medicate right but if and if your listeners just let that be the starting point for their own research that you've got cannabinoids you've got terpenes and yes, terpenes are this intense, beautiful aroma, but they do a whole lot more than that. They have their individual efficacies. And then you take the entourage effect into account, and then also subjective efficacy into account, because you're different than me, right. than somebody in Wisconsin, you know? Yep. We are we have different – there's different blood types, and, and we have different body chemistries. And this is even down to – Set and setting, right? You know, you might catch me on a day when I'm feeling great, or you might catch me on a day when I'm not feeling so great. And the efficacy of that entourage affected mix of cannabinoids and terpenes is very, very subjective to that particular instance of consumption.
0: It's interesting that you talk about how, how we're, we're all different because we are. And when we've talked to people who have had cancer and taking, taken a high uh, THC, Corey, some people Great. can take uh, three to four grams a day. Other people will wow. g- get wasted on three to four grams. And then uh, Dr. Bob, a lot. Dr. Bob Melamed told us about uh, a friend of his who took 50 grams at once.
1: Holy cow! Fifty grams, <laughs> yeah. and uh, that's like insane.
0: Yeah, he slept a lot, but uh,
2: for for a couple of weeks. Yeah, Bob said he was quote unable to communicate effectively with him for quite some time.
1: <laughs> wow! Yes, that but, could make mushrooms look like a walk in the park. <laughs>
0: yeah, but uh, it it really is. Now you have described CBGA as the mother of all cannabinoids. Now, yeah. el- elaborate on that.
1: You've got the great radio voice. Uh, my forte is uh, writing and not necessarily public speaking. Um, but uh, I'm
0: you're I'm doing a better job to... than I am, actually. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm not just trying to drive traffic to to you know dot com, right? Even though everyone should go there uh, seventeen times a day, of course. But I yeah, I, I developed this article, and it's actually kind of funny how it came about. I have a good friend in houston and she acts as kind of a branding consultant and helps me with social media she's this brilliant uh young woman and uh she she believes in the science of this like i do and she wants everybody to have the facts and she gets a little frustrated when people don't understand it And, and somebody on facebook started commenting and you know people started getting immature and this uh It might have actually been a customer of hers but they started saying some things that were just patently untrue and they were saying it with a voice of authority and then going out and and preaching this on social media right and you don't want to spread false information and so it just so happened that this friend of mine and i were conversing one day and and she was sharing this with me and i said you know i i hate that too that's a that's a bad thing. We're spreading misinformation. It's bad enough. We've had 79 years of prohibition here in the United States and with purposeful government-funded misinformation. But when we have people who actually believe in the efficacy of this plant and they're spreading false, false uh, information, it's, it's just not a good thing. So that's what prompted me to, to write this. And, I mean, if you want an overview of cannabinoids and how they work in the human body – I would say currently that's probably the best example that I have. You know, it just kind of puts it in, in a nutshell, because nobody's got time to, to read a 200-page book. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's why I've always believed in the articles, you know, just hoping that it would give people more ready access to them. They would be more willing to read an 800 or 1,200 or maybe 2,500-word article. But uh,
0: <laughs> Well, know, that's, then, what, that's what's good about uh, your articles, I find, is that I, I read a scientific article, the jargon kind of loses me. But if I read something that you've written, in which you've synthesized it down to its, its core, then uh, I can understand it. And I think uh, what scientists don't realize is that if communication is simple, all communication is simple, people will understand it. You do a, an extremely good job of making difficult issues uh, simple. So I can thank you for that. You. i
1: I, I appreciate that. And uh, in another life, one of my uh, job titles was instructional designer. So, so that puts a smile on my face. Because, uh, you know, the world is inherently complicated. But mm. we need, you know, we need voters to make smart decisions. And we need patients to make smart decisions. Like, hey, I'm going to try cannabis oil, even though the medical establishment said I've only got four months to live. If you didn't have information Corey, right if you didn't know that was an option you couldn't have done that that's that's knowledge that's the power of knowledge you're alive right now because of the power of knowledge in my
0: opinion. exactly in learning about the widespread therapeutic benefits of cannabis do you ever have people ask you GUI, if this is so good why isn't it legal
1: um, you know, I, I just I think I'm immersed in uh, what people around me are typically doing is offering me more dabs, and, and I'm yeah. like, look, I don't I don't need another dab right now. Uh, welcome <laughs> to the West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, I have obviously had conversations with people when I resided in Texas or uh, lived in Ohio, and. I remember when I lived in Ohio, my neighbors on both sides were Republicans. Uh, you know, when when October Halloween rolled around, they'd put up their vote Republican, you know, signs in, in the front yard. And people probably knew that I had a certain liberal lifestyle when it came to the herb. I never really I never really tried to hide it all that much. So yeah, they would they would ask questions like, um, You know, I never actually had anybody ask, why is it illegal? Because they don't like the government. They're all like, well, of course, the government screwed up with prohibition. But what they don't believe, okay, here was a segment of people in Texas who consumed it almost daily, recreationally, but they drank as much or more than they smoked. They barely believed that cannabis, and here they were consuming it every day. They barely believed that it was medicine. It was just an escape for them. Okay, they didn't understand spiritual use. They didn't understand use with intent. And if you mentioned cannabis being performance enhancement, they would call you an idiot to your face. Probably with somewhat of a drunken slur before they showed you the gun collection. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> you know, that's so so that's I I guess when I'm around conservative people or disbelievers, that's that's what I get. That I don't believe it's medicine, but yeah, it's fun to get high. But think about that: even people consuming it on a daily basis, not believing it's medicine. I, for some reason, it just kind of blows my mind.
0: Yeah, I think we pretty much have the same uh, culture here, don't we, Corey? You yeah, know, I'd say so. Yeah, pretty close. I mean, you deal with uh, with you have dealt with people, thousands of people over the years, and uh, some people... Here's the thing, uh, Gooig. Corey deals with people all around the world, and uh, they'll have cannabis. They'll have cancer. Corey will talk about cannabis and the medical benefits of it. The people, and she'll recommend that maybe because you have prostate cancer, you should take a suppository, and, and the person will say, I'm not taking a suppository. And uh, there's a fellow that's in Germany. He says, well, you can get high or you can die.
1: Which which do you prefer? Exactly. If you're so conservative Mm -hmm. that you won't take a medical suppository to save your life, then... I, I, how do I say this politely? Um, natural consequences you, are a bitch.
2: You're on uh, the Hail Mary Highway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: that's right.
1: <laughs> I mean, having somebody slice into you and pull out your guts is not fun either. But it leaves you, you know, the suppository leaves you intact. Holy cow, people!
0: So in California, can how much uh, of the plant can people grow?
1: Obviously, Prop 64 just passed, and it's 60. Three sixty-four pages of detailed—you know—it's a legal document. <laughs> there are parts of it where you have to consult with an attorney to get a, a clear understanding of how, how it might manifest itself here in California. Currently, you can you can grow four plants, and most of this—I'm not sure if it's hundred percent of it. Say I haven't read the whole sixty-three page document.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I have to admit that is—you know not extremely motivated necessarily to do that what it really means is that you can have up to an ounce this is how i see it on a day-to-day reality kind of what's what's the reality of this what's the benefit we get by legalizing for 40 million people in the state of california and you can have up to an ounce in your pocket you know and they can no longer use odor As probable cause. This is a very big deal. Mm. In fact, I, for Mary Jane, I interviewed Bruce Margolin, who's director of Normal in Los Angeles. And he made, this was pre, uh, this was in October. So he was, uh, Bruce was advocating for Prop 64. He was saying, hey, be sure to vote yes on it. And and he said, you know, not being able to use uh, odor as probable cause is a big freaking deal. And it is. I'm not illegal now if I'm walking down the street with maybe a half ounce of weed in my pocket, and if if I happen to you know I like to have smell proof stuff, but that's because I've lived in states like Ohio and Texas. Mm-hmm. I insist on smell proof stuff. But here, hey, you won't even have to be smell proof, and you're fully legal now. There's a whole lot more to that sixty plus pages of legislation. And the regulations that have to be formed around them, and then individual counties and individual, you know, cities are going to often put in their own regulations. This is a crazy-ass time right now. Even now that I'm here on the West Coast, I've had the, you know, I'm humbled to hang out with some brilliant minds who, like us… Want to dedicate themselves to the cannabis plant, yeah. and but we all have to monetize that in some way. We all have to, you know, earn a living, right? Yeah, it doesn't mean you're an evil capitalist necessarily. The the brightest minds I've met in Humboldt County are just like, holy crap, what's what's going on here? And and you know, step outside of Humboldt to Mendocino or Trinity, it's uh, and that's just Northern California. It's a big ass state, obviously. Mm-hmm. The regulations can get really screwed up. In Washington and Oregon, the conservative forces are pushing back. Yes, they got laws passed, but the regulations being put into place behind those laws are crap. They suck. A 37% tax in Washington did away with medical. Now they only have recreational. There's pros and cons to that, but unfortunately, Mm. there's a lot of cons, and they affect patients.
0: Right, Gooey Canada is scheduled to legalize marijuana next spring. What can uh, we learn here from the United States in terms of what to do and what not to do?
1: What not to do? Um, keep getting the the young, cute guys uh, in office there. Don't go with the old curmudgeons, right? <laughs> boy. We kind of we kind of screwed that up. But uh, I really hope you guys do it because. Canada is a big chunk of North America, and that would just put more pressure on the U.S. government. Because yeah, we got all these states legalizing, but you know, there's just so many things we can't do, especially on the financial level. And if you're talking about having a cannabis business, uh, you got to have banking, you got to have financial services, and if you can't have any of that because it's a Schedule One drug according to the feds, it just really screws things up. Canada could be the first example. You guys did medical back in what was it? Two thousand one, long time ago.
0: Yeah, California you know, to, was before us.
1: Yeah, nineteen ninety six. Nineteen ninety six. About uh, yeah. five years before you, uh, Dennis Perron's Prop two fifteen. Canada would be like the first just it, just you just go whole hog you have the medical for a long time and get the recreational you know hopefully your people will not tax the crap out of it cuz that's really not the way to encourage uh, you know a robust startup economy
0: oh governments will always do that yeah. yeah, government governments will always do that i was interested to read that the the fellow who's who's been uh, named as your possible new attorney general in the us jeff sessions is quoted as saying that good people don't smoke marijuana. And I'm wondering what, when Donald Trump is sworn into office in January, what do you think will happen with respect to the legalization of marijuana at the national level in the United States?
1: You know, this is going to sound terrible. And maybe part of it is living in Humboldt County, but... um I'm just not going to let it stress me out, uh, and I'm not going to pay attention to it. Quite frankly, I'm no, going to focus. Yeah. I, I am going to focus. Oh yeah, I'm definitely putting my head in the sand, and you know, I'm sure my educated, uh, professional peers would would say, you know, dude, you're an idiot. No, now that the country has gone this way, I just really don't give a damn anymore. I'm just going to continue to focus on educating people. So, uh, you know, they can advocate in their own cities, in their own counties, their own states. And to, to me, it's all educational. And, and uh, I appreciate what you said earlier, Ian, because if I can take something that is inherently complex, and you research this plant enough, and its efficacy on the human body, and its efficacy on your dog's body, your cat's body, every mammal has an endocannabinoid system. What kind of industry, if we want to talk to the business opportunities, what kind of industry could rise up around this plant to improve a battered economy? You know, We've got a really crap economy right now. It's not like when we were kids.
0: You know? mm-hmm. Gooey, can people find your, your publication, Understanding Medical Marijuana, on your website?
1: Yes. It is at I was You'll still see some social media that points uh, toward it being on Amazon, mm-hmm. and I just decided to give it away for free knowing that there were. this was back in the spring and knowing that we had elections coming up. And uh, back in the spring, it looked like we were going to have 10, maybe even 11 states have offered voters a choice. And I thought, let's just give it away.
0: Yeah, good for you. Gui, it was great there to talk is. to you. I appreciate uh, your information, appreciate your time, and uh, all the best in the future.
1: Hey, thanks for having me. It's a real honor. And, you know, keep five days a week. You guys, you guys are balls to the wall. Keep it up.
0: Oh, yeah. We just we just go ahead every day. <laughs> yes. A little ready.
1: You guys are, you, you Canadians, man, you, you kick ass. You're like, if there were more potheads in Texas, that would be Canada. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are just like, God
0: damn it. We're gonna this let's, so, do our, let's do it. Thanks again. Thanks, Gary. Guy Rubinsky is an excellent writer. He can take the complexities of the medical benefits, the many medical benefits of the cannabis plant, and put them into simple terms so we can all understand it. Well, that's it for another edition of Cannabis Health Radio. I'd just like to add, Corey and I would like to tell you that we are supported by our listeners. Corey and I would encourage you to go to the donate page on our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and make a pledge. You can make a one-time donation or you can become a monthly supporter for as little as $3 a month. And we thank you for your support wherever you are in the world.
1: You've been listening to the Cannabis Health Radio podcast. Visit our website, CannabisHealthRadio.com, and follow
0: us on Facebook and Twitter. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows.
2: Infused, a cannabis talk show, is a one of a kind look inside the cannabis industry. Meet the amazing people who make cannabis businesses bloom as they join host Nick with Francesca and Mike for creative cannabis conversations. Get an honest look at the business of cannabis, including trends, best and worst practices, products, education, and advocacy. Whether you're kind of curious or running a cannabis, Infused has kind of conversations that count. Infused is available on YouTube and is now streaming as part of the PodConnect's network network.